This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. What was your favorite part when you guys at uh, Christmas? And I, I don't obviously know the family stuff that you guys did or didn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it was getting the artificial tree. As I've said, my family wasn't one for a real tree out. Uh, pulling the barrels out and then putting it together. That was the part yep. I could do without having real struggles. Because, of course, decorating it. Yeah, I could throw things on, but I'd end up putting... Cal, there's too many balls on that side. Cal, would you put some of the tinfoil on there? Oh, I am. No, it's all wrapped around your wrist. Would you put it on the tree, please? What was your favorite part? I like decorating trees, too. I do get a little bit controlling with it, though. Like, I, I'm the person who who's telling you those instructions. Like, more here, less here, and nobody put any up there. Somebody get the higher part of the tree. But anyways, the moving part of the tree was kind of fun because um, we definitely need help with that. <laughs> One time our, our Christmas tree's uh, base broke. Oh. My parents refused to buy a new tree, so my dad, let's just say, built a new base. It was way heavier <laughs> than the old base. We had to, like, drag oh, that thing carrying up the stairs. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I loved all that part of it at home, but the best part for me was once people started laying all their presents under, the, the ones they've yeah. been hiding away from it. I loved it because I could go under the tree and I'd just shake presents and say, oh, that's a nice... And my mother would, come on, come on, come on out from under there. Come on, get out of there. Get yeah. out of there. <laughs> but it's really cool. So is this mine? No, it's your brother's. Hey, you know what you're getting? Quiet. Folks, on Mondays, uh, near the end of the program, we do this, and it really makes us stop and think a lot of time when we get into discussions with Danielle McLaughlin, and we talk about our our rights that we, we always need to keep up on and know what we can, can and can't do, I want to say, but really we just need to know our rights and think of things that way and respecting others' rights, a huge thing that sometimes we fall short. We've mentioned the uh, the issue of classroom exclusions of children with disabilities before on this program, but it is not going away, so we bring it up again. Now, Danielle, welcome back to the show, and I think where we're going to start that uh, you'd like to suggest we get into is what is the difference between an exclusion and a suspension? Good question, and hello to you guys. Um, I'm very happy to hear everybody back together. It's lovely. The notion is that an exclusion uh, is being done in the best interest of a child, and the suspension is a penalty. So if, if you're being suspended from school, you probably did something you weren't supposed to do, uh, or your child did something he or she uh, isn't supposed to do. Um, and, and that's a punishment. An exclusion is something that can happen according to the Education Act for very specific reasons. So for example, if a child is in a situation where he or she is a danger to themselves or other kids, they can be excluded for a period of time. Or in the case of children with disabilities, and that's what we're talking about today, um, if the school feels that they cannot keep the child safe or that the child presents a danger to the other children in the class, they may be excluded, in other words, removed from the class or from the school for a limited period of time. Um, this raises a whole bunch 
of questions. Well, right? and Danielle, I know when I was in school and there were a lot of the insurance concerns, yes. um, particularly around things like phys ed, I always felt and grew up feeling exclusion, excluded were dirty words. Don't yes. like, didn't like them because to me, they were lonely words. Well, they are lonely words and that's exactly right. And they're, they also look punitive, even if it isn't meant to be punitive. If you tell a child, sorry, everybody else is going on the field trip, you can't come. Right. Th that is really hurtful to that child. Instead of saying what is in the best interest of that child, and that is the standard by which all these decisions are meant to be made. In other words, what can we do to ensure that we include a child? Um, it's, well, for safety's sake, we're going to make sure that there's no liability here. And this has happened in numbers of schools. The, situ the situation um, in some schools has been that children with certain kinds of disabilities have been excluded, not because that child, him or herself, has posed a danger to others or a, you know, is seen as being uh, at risk, but because children with a certain class of disability are assumed to have uh, uh, the uh, to be dangerous. So, for example, if you say that a child who has autism um, may be likely to act out and be in an uncontrolled fashion, that doesn't tell you anything about the child who's sitting in front of you. So, if you say we will exclude all children with autism from this activity, you this is this is a form of of prejudice and discrimination. You know, you are saying that you have an expectation that a child, because of their diagnosis, will act in a certain way. If you say that all children with low vision or who are blind cannot uh, go to gym class because we're so worried they might fall down or bump into somebody, you don't know that the child in front of you who has um, a particular uh, condition can handle it just fine, or much more importantly, whether the school can provide an accommodation, which by law they are required to do, so that a child who is being excluded because they're seen as being a member of a class of people who can't do something, when given an education assistant, for example, could do very well in whatever that activity is. The school has to be making these decisions, according to law, in the best interest of the child and not what is most uh, cheap for us to do, right? So if you say that, well, you know, it's expensive to have a one-on-one -on -one education assistant, that's not a good enough reason. If your child is being excluded because the school says, um, you know, we can't afford to, uh, to hire the kind of um, assistance your child needs, the kind of support your child needs, that's discrimination. Yeah. That's not a rational um, decision being made in the best interest of the child. And there have been numbers of cases in Ontario, in British Columbia, and in other provinces where the parents whose child has been excluded, the, uh, the parents of a child who's, who's been excluded, have gone to a human rights tribunal, and in some cases they've gone to court, and the courts have said, your child has the right to attend school and the exclusion is being done on a basis that is that is incorrect that that is legally incorrect there 
the assumption that, that because your child has a certain condition or, for example, that your child uses a wheelchair right. um, and, you know, and therefore can't attend gym class or, you know, they, there was a case quite recently, and I don't think it's even gone before tribunal or, or court at the moment, where a parent was sitting in a, a car all day long outside the school because the child who uses a wheelchair was being told, we, don't, we can't afford an education assistant to take your child to the toilet. And the parent says, well, I'll, I guess I just have to sit here and, 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 and be there. So with time. that being said, Danielle, as we see the potential of work stoppage because of uh, the issues that the Ontario government is apparently hammering out, um, and, mm-hmm. and we had kids in school today, we have heard that the sticking point that was not addressed over all these talks over the weekend, we've already settled on the money issue. That was mm-hmm. a few weeks, a couple of weeks back. Now the sticking point, apparently, so we're told as, as citizens, is being able to hire more supports. I heard it differently put last week than I did yesterday and this morning, but to answer situations such as a parent sitting there in a car all day waiting to to support taking the child to the bathroom, support a child not being excluded from gym class or or, or getting the help and, and having fair amount of help uh, at any given moment and these hirings we're talking about, this would be the kind of thing that keeps somebody from their fair education or well, damage right. the success and, and- of it. And and what a thing for for a child to be made to feel that somehow they're responsible for their inability to participate in a program that by law they are to be included in. And yet exactly. the courts will say that and claim to uphold that, yet we have this bargaining chip well, out there. Whether And I'm not saying I don't know enough about what the terms are, what the sticking point on this particular subject. Mm-hmm. I just know talking to Lucia, uh, talking about you know, Ramya in school, Kelly in school, what I mm-hmm. witnessed from everybody else with, with disabilities that have gone to school, what we've all said and what we've all talked about or been through at one time or another. And it's miserable. It really is. One of the things that if you look at the statistics, pardon me, the statistics you find out is that most of the families of children with disabilities who have been excluded don't know they can appeal. They don't know that they can say to the school, sorry, you don't get to uh, make me take my child home every, you know, at noon every day because you don't have enough staff. It is your responsibility to staff the school appropriately because my child has a right to an education. And that for this particular child, he or she needs an education assistant school. You just do it. And you know, the, the don't tell me that you cannot find people. There are people who desperately need the jobs and are well qualified to do this work. And it's the, it's the responsibility of the, of the, under the education act for the schools to be doing this. Unfortunately, many families feel very cowed by the school. They, they, you know, they feel, well, listen, if we get on the bad side, our child is going to really suffer from this. They, you know, our child mm-hmm. is going to be the one who gets, you know, left out in the cold and gets left out of things because, um, you know, we're making a, we're, we're making noise. We're making a big we're, deal. We're yeah. We're making a big it's deal. It's segregating and isolating mm-hmm. enough, right? That's right. That's Without right. all these other added on issues of, well, we're going to take you to court and we're going to, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, get on everybody's backs about this and all of this is, is it's so much for the 
the student, the child to be That's right. burdening. Absolutely. It's a huge burden on, on a child who understands what's going on. And there are children to whom this is happening who, who just don't understand yeah. why they're being excluded, what it is that brought this situation about. You know, suddenly the school doesn't have enough money and I'm the one who has to pay for it. Exactly. You know, that 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 is just deeply unfair. And I think we need um, much more attention drawn. And listen, I know what an enormous burden it is on the children and on their families to complain about this, to take it forward to a human rights uh, tribunal, to take it forward then to, to a court. It's huge. Um, there are organizations that will help with that. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's like so many other issues that are awful. If nobody complains, if everybody says, well, I guess that's the way it is, then nothing happens. And, you know, I don't like the idea that we're laying this very heavy burden on the people who themselves are the victims of the system. But the more we go to our governments and tell them, not good enough, you're not doing a good enough job, you cannot make children with disabilities, the people on the lowest rung of the ladder. In fact, if anything, these are the first people that you should be thinking about when you think about how to organize the system. The most vulnerable people must be thought of first, right. because if not, we're all at risk. Sure. So, you know, I, I am extremely troubled when I see that there are children who have rights and those rights are just being disregarded left, right, and center. And and I wonder how much, and Danielle, we've always worried. This is something that you always hear the people who are kicked around the most don't have the means to maybe find that lawyer that says, let me worry about it. I'll take this on. Yeah. And and it is really scary because, as you said, people don't know they have a right to say, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't make That's me right. sit out here in a car and wait to do that. You better have the support from my child. We don't know. And... There's always that concern. What if that, even if it goes to court, mm-hmm. you know, we're told, well, yeah, but your expectations are unreasonable. Your child has needs that at this moment, a specialty circumstance would have to, you'd have to pay for that. I don't have the money. Well. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are organizations like Arch. We've uh, interviewed people uh, on, on Kelly and Company before, uh, before the Arch Disability Law, who will take these cases on and they will they have a toolkit on how to complain this is this is ontario based but uh you know what you can do when or if your child is excluded uh, under the education act um especially if you feel that it is detrimental to the child uh to be excluded so you know what is it you can do who's out there there are the advocacy there's advocacy uh for inclusion it's a it's there's a video telling people how they can move forward to complain about it and what they can do these things are all time consuming there's Mm -hmm. there's absolutely no question about it um and you know it, it it makes me feel very sad to to know that the people who are the most vulnerable are the people who are going to have to work the hardest in order to ensure that they're treated fairly. And sometimes but, that work that's left off in school when you say, well, we know we don't have the right tools, we will give them a, a little easier road, um, the flexibility in, in what sometimes can be a negative way, setting them mm-hmm. up for failure later because, well, we can't be bothered to, to help with this, so we'll just wave you on through. Yeah, yeah. 
So, you, you know, the thing is that parents and, and the children themselves, where, where they have capacity or they're old enough, um, should always ask for a letter. Why are you being excluded? Um, you have to give the reasons for the, ex that you have to be given reasons for exclusion. It, and it can't, you know, it, it's not enough to say because we, we want you excluded. Right. Uh, the school, school has to provide you a reason. Um, there are specific steps in many schools that you can use to appeal the exclusion. Um, and you should ask that the school what's what's the policy for appeal, uh, and it should be in a document. And yes, you can talk to a lawyer. You can talk to Arch. You can you you know there there are resources out there, but you don't have to accept an exclusion, and you don't have to ever think that the child or the family has done something wrong, and that that is why they're being excluded. There should be you know they they sometimes they call these things informal exclusions or voluntary withdrawals when the parent has right. just said has been told uh, could you just keep uh, you know Teddy home today because um, you know we've got a complicated day and we just don't have time to take care of Teddy's needs not okay we've got a we trip really, and we yeah. don't have it and it's yeah. that's it and whose mm -hmm. problem who who's the ones that have to admit with the pie on the face it's the school's problem. It's mm -hmm. a societal problem we have to solve. Yeah. Danielle, awesome conversation. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk again. Bye. Danielle McLaughlin is here on Mondays for our Know Your Rights segment. Please take a listen again. If you missed it, you can do that via the podcast. We'll tell you about that shortly. We will step aside for a moment. When we return, we'll look at what we've got in store for you on tomorrow's edition of Kelly and Company. And we'll see what's going on over on AMI-tv with the folks at Now with Dave Brown. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.